0: I only really have one question on this Mythbusters B-Light thing. Well, what's that? Did they use different colors duct tape?
1: No, it's all gray. You haven't watched it?
0: No, I haven't watched well, it.
1: Well, see, now, I went out of my way to watch it. I, cause I At first, I was going to watch when, the, I guess, the, the the Wednesday night is when new episodes of Mythbusters appear. And I started yeah. to watch it, okay. but it was on at like 9 o'clock at night, and I was starting to fade. So I kind of got started and then figured I'll get, you get know, Mythbusters replays over and over and over again. So sure. I figured I'd catch it. And I did, in fact, catch it the next day. Um, but I watched it, David. Did you watch it?
2: Yeah, actually, same night, but not at the appointed time. I DVR'd it while I played a DVR of something else. Right. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so, and then uh, watched it after The Daily Show.
1: Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I I watched it, and they just used regular, you know, traditional gray duct tape. Um, yeah, it looked like the three-inch wide variety. And and at first they they sort of recreated. This was all based on the story that was a big deal about whatever it was six months ago, a year ago, something like that, about the uh, Alaskan bush plane that got mauled by a right. bear. And yeah, then, that's
0: yeah, that's been out there a couple of years actually. Right, a long right. time.
1: All right, and so and the and the whoever did a field repair where he taped it all up and then flew home. All right, and. Uh, and, and we went over, I mean, it, the, the aviation community went, has been been there, done that. I mean, this story is just old, old news. Right. Why do you right. think we call it 100-mile-an-hour tape? Yeah, well, but duct tape is not 100-mile-an-hour tape, but yeah. I, um, but, it's uh, not? Is it? I don't know. Does duct tape qualify? I thought 100-mile-an-hour tape was a particular kind of
0: tape that was rated. First of all, it's called 100-knot tape. Okay. Hundred knot tape. Yeah. Hundred knot tape, and it's not duct tape, although it is very <laughs> similar. It's um, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, notice the differences between, say, gaffer's tape and duct tape. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But there are some significant differences, and I think the same is is true for so-called hundred knot tape. The thing of it is, though, I haven't seen anything re- remotely resembles an advertisement for hundred knot tape lately. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't know if the stuff even is produced anymore.
1: That may be true. That's a good question. That may be true. Anyways, they so they so they just recreated this whole story where they 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 mauled a uh, mauled. No well, there's intended.
2: there's 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 a cute backstory to this. Too. What's that? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, our buddy Dave uh, James Weeby, yeah, uh, who with his wife uh, uh, has brought back the uh, uh, the part one oh three. Market to some extent. and uh, Who is now my hero because he's worked closely with Kerry Byron, but that's the story uh, for Yeah, that, 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 that took him up a couple of notches for sure. Yeah. Uh, but he was trying to figure out, you know, they, 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 they take myth questions from Lister viewers and all that stuff, and they come up with some on their own. And he submitted some ideas that he thought would work well around his Be Light Ultralight. Mm hmm. For one, of, one of them being a recreation, a, 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 an on-camera test of the story from Alaska just to show skeptics that, yeah, it could really be done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, next thing you know, he's putting a bee light in a box to California, and it's off to the races.
1: Yeah, and they savaged it. Um, so they <laughs> they they initially they recreated the uh, the story that we saw, whenever it was, a year or two ago, where they just kind of ripped off the the uh, skin from the one of the sides, and the uh, tail. Yeah, and, they it was a patch job. Right. And they patched it um and uh um and then flew it and no surprise to me anyways. Uh it flew just fine. Um sure. you know, the Mythbusters folks of course played up the oh my gosh, I wonder if it's going to fly angle. So uh so that was that was that, that was part one. Now, that part, was part one, yeah. Part 2 was because Mythbusters Mythbusters lives by the rule that anything worth doing is worth doing to excess. <laughs> Particularly where duct tape is concerned. Yes, and they do have a particular thing for duct tape. So they uh so they then decided once they did once they confirmed the myth, then they said, All right, but what we really want to do is we wanna do the whole airplane in duct tape. So they basically de skinned the whole airplane. They took all the quote unquote fabric off of the entire airplane and replaced it with duct tape. And, you know, they kind of went to some effort to make sure that it was, you know, structurally they kind of cross-hatched it all so it was double thickness. And I don't know whether that stuff is really, really that important. <laughs> well, but when they, they put I, it all correctly,
2: like I, yeah. roofing shingles, so that the laps are running in the right direction. Right, right. So right, right.
0: Yeah. I, I only have one question. Yeah. When will the pilot be getting out of the hospital? No,
1: everybody was fine. So um, so uh, uh, Weeby actually flew the, the test for when they just patched You know, did the Alaska thing, which was just the side, the fuselage and the tail. And he actually not only took off, he flew like pattern altitude, I guess, and, you know, zipped around a little bit. And they they claimed he flew for like, what, David, 30 minutes, I think, um, to prove that the whole thing wasn't going to delaminate and so forth. And uh, that you could, in fact, fly to some destination where you're then going to do a real repair. So they, that was, but that was Weeby flying that one. When they did the entire airplane in duct tape, they, wisely concluded this was a little bit more problematic and they weren't 100 percent sure this was going to work for a number of different reasons. And so um, now, interesting thing, both question for David and Jeb, um, uh, they claimed on the episode that so normally what they would do in this kind of situation where they didn't want to put a human in a dangerous situation is that they would rig it up with radio control and fly it as a radio control aircraft. And the Mythbusters guys are totally able to do that. They could have rigged this this bee light to be radio-controlled. They claimed, and I heard them claim this a couple of different times, they claimed that there were FAA regulations that prohibited them from flying a full-size airplane as an rc airplane
2: does that there make pro- sense to you
0: i don't know that there aren't but there probably should be depending on the circumstances well i would imagine well,
2: it's like- remember how we're treating how and with you know some support from the g a community uh... remotely piloted vehicles right you know this isn't like uh... the rc model that you get at the giant model store uh... but a full man size carrying machine and there are some constraints on What would you call them? Remotely piloted and uh, autonomous and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, but if you just flew it a couple hundred feet, you know, around, you know, over the runway, you know, and... I, it seems to me that would be okay. But anyways, they didn't do that. They wanted to bring in a real pilot. So they brought in who, someone who they characterize as being, like, super pilot. I forget what term they used. You know, the the, the world's greatest test pilot is sort of roughly how they characterized it. Dave does have considerable experience he, he, uh, he as sure a does. test pilot. His, yeah. his, 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 of course, as everyone knows, his number one claim to fame is that he was the uh, designated examiner that gave me my private pilot license. Uh-huh. I did not know that. Yes. So, uh
2: so, so now you know you you've known for a long time who to blame for me. Now we know who to blame for
1: you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, believe me, that was I had contact with him on two different occasions because it took two tri- Not two. I didn't fail, but we weren't able to complete it the first time, and so I had to go back and finish the second day. Um, those are the two contacts I've had with Dave Morse. I've never been in the same room with him since. Um, well, he he was the uh, the right seat
2: pilot for Lance Air who gave me a demo ride in uh, uh, the the earliest uh e s yeah that that they they put on the market yeah no, i I've,
1: I've definitely followed his career and he's done some cool exciting things and uh
2: oh he races at reno and uh uh Jiminy, he does real live Like experimental test flying, yeah,
1: yeah. As a matter of fact, the reason reason why we almost weren't able to complete my uh, my uh, check ride on the second, uh, uh, you know, go around, if you will, is uh, because he was on deadline to leave for Reno for the races, and you know, he he says he says I got to leave by noon, so come on in in the morning and we'll get as much done as we can, and uh, and fortunately well, he was he was out there in June
2: when uh, EAA sent me out to the Pylon Racing seminar. Uh, Does he still saw fly the, said hello, but didn't get to to chat with him?
1: Does he still fly in the sport category there? The uh, he was flying Lancer. Well, that was and, the
2: airplane that he flew into the Mythbusters episode. I saw that, and I would imagine that might
1: be his personal airplane, but I don't know that. You know. And, and speaking of FARs,
2: yeah, two things came to mind watching that. One was they were flying from a closed airport with X's on the runway, so I'm sure they talked to somebody involved there. uh... You know. It, basically made turned it into a private strip. Yeah. And nobody came to probably, yeah, probably everything had, yeah, everything that yeah. started Well no, Morse flew in. Now that I think about it. Well they probably anyway, let the other, him in. I'm sorry? They
0: probably let him in.
1: Yeah. Let him in, or they maybe didn't close. The, I, I'm 90% sure.
2: You, don't, you certain. don't
1: suppose he was flown in by a senator, do you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: pretty sure that they were flying, they were doing that from uh, Tracy Airport, Tracy Municipal Airport, which is sort of just over the mountains into the Central Valley, um, sort of a beam, San Francisco. And. Uh, um, and it, I was curious about that x out runways. I'm thinking, they haven't closed the runways at Tracy, have they? And I went in and looked on Google Earth the other day, last night or whatever it was, and uh, and there were no permanent Xs on the runway. So they, But they may not have closed the whole airport, right? They might have just closed one of the
0: runways. One runway, sure. sure, sure.
2: The right. other
1: thing is, I wonder how
2: duct tape would stand up to the battery of tests that aircraft cloth covering has to go through. I, I don't know. I would think it would fail,
1: but... Well, I I, I would think it might hold up to something like the punch test. Well, structurally, in terms of its, you know, material yeah. and that kind of thing, yeah, I'm sure it's pretty strong. But, but duct tape is terrible as, as an adhesive; it's just awful stuff. Yeah. You, you were who was it, Jeb? You were just talking about the difference between duct tape and gaffers tape. Uh-huh. And uh, I, we, I use gaffers tape all the time in my event work. Um, right. We use gaffers tape to tape all kinds of things down. Well, the, I've got gaffers tape in my camera bag. The right. beauty of gaff, of course, as a photographer, you would use gaffers tape. The beauty of gaffers tape, um, at least one of the beauties, is that is that it doesn't stick very well. That's the whole idea. Is It's mm, supposed to right. stick good enough but come off without ripping up the surface that's underneath. It, mm. And
2: you know what a happy medium is between duct and gaffers? What's
0: that? Uh,
2: the uh, uh, painter's tape.
0: You're right, right. Painter's tape is good. You know, but it, painter's it, it tape sticks fairly
2: well, but it comes off very mm. easily. Right,
0: but painter's mm. tape is paper, right? Yeah, it's paper, and, and uh, it's expensive.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> oh, price yeah. that stuff well, I wouldn't want to put it on tape. an airplane. Yeah. But so hey, duct tape. Know,
0: that stuff's expensive. Uh, duct
1: tape is stickier. But as they com- observed in the show, um, so they're out in Tracy in the Central Valley, presumably on a, on a nice you know, warm day. And uh, they were concerned that the tape was going to start to melt. The adhesive will melt on this duct tape. And uh, it can get really well, nasty
0: and ugly. My, my concern would be, what's the new you know, uh, flutter limits on this airplane? uh with all this duct tape yeah and know. they were
1: concerned about that too they showed some yeah. footage of uh, of the uh, um you know when they did the the alaska repair um they were showing the the side of the fuselage fluttering in the wind
0: um they had some yeah. really interesting One, footage f- and and One they s-
1: commented that that was a concern that it would flutter so much that it would start to was be it landing. was it
0: fluttering or should you say the side of the fuselage was it fluttering or oil canning uh, it was oil canning. oil
1: canning, yeah, it
0: would, okay. yeah, yeah okay.
1: it was oil canning
2: yeah okay. they didn't and, and put cloth as structural anyway
0: well no it isn 't, um, but tighter is better yeah. absolutely, yeah, and
1: absolutely. they didn't and they didn 't put any of this tape, even when they did the whole airplane they didn 't do it on a control on the actual control surfaces. Um, they didn't tape. I, I'm pretty sure this is true. They did not tape I the. I thought a- they taped everything. No, they painted everything gray. They paint. I watched this, and I'm pretty sure. I could watch again. I don't think that they taped the ailerons. I don't think they. I taped- know
2: how much you're dying to do this. Send Carrie an email and ask her.
1: Oh, man. He's blushing. <laughs> I can hear it. He's blushing. I am, and my heart's beating faster. Okay, I will. That's my <laughs> homework assignment. That's my homework assignment. I'm pretty sure that I noticed at one point, particularly the aileron, I noticed that they did not tape the aileron, but then later on the aileron was gray, and it didn't appear to have the texture of tape. I think they, they painted everything gray after yeah. taping. I don't think they taped the control surfaces. It Morse never got
2: out of ground effect.
1: And Morse Not, didn't actually it, take it, off, uh, that's right, that's the other thing, is that he just flew down the runway and lifted up into ground effect, and, and then they, they declared it a success. And uh, anything,
2: um, higher, anything higher than standing on the ground is high enough to get hurt.
1: Well, that's true, you know, and but and oh, yeah. this is one place where I differ with the MythBusters folks. All right, so they then afterwards claimed that you didn't need to go any higher than that because the airplane doesn't know how. This is a direct quote from one of the characters: "The airplane uh-huh. doesn't know how high it is, so flying twenty feet off the ground is the same as flying a hundred feet or a thousand feet." Uh, off the we know that to be untrue. And we do we know, know that, that to be untrue. Yeah. They were they stayed in yeah. ground effect. Now they did prove something, but. It would have been interesting somehow to get it up to a couple hundred feet and see what happened. But I think it would have worked. Um, the, the other place, they, they were very concerned about the added weight. So they stripped off all, this, all the skin from this airplane. And they apparently weighed this, the skin that they took off. And then they concluded that that was the equivalent of, I think they said, five rolls of duct tape. So they were going to try and actually cover this thing with five rolls of duct tape. And that didn't happen. And by the yeah. time they got to like ten rolls of duct tape, they were commenting... At one point, they said, Oh, well, now we've doubled the weight of the plane. And I'm going, No, 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 wait a minute. You haven't doubled the weight. You've doubled the weight of the skin. But, um, yeah, and that's I, okay. I think they got up to like 17. Well, we, all, we all
0: know. Of, we all, uh, yeah, Jeb? I'm oh, sorry. We all know, of course, that it's not altitude, but it's true airspeed. That we want to be concerned with, uh, in, in in you know not getting the airplane out of a ground effect or or climbing it up to altitude or something like that. It's not the altitude they should have, the MythBusters guy should have been worried about. It's the true airspeed.
1: Yeah, it's airspeed and duration too.
0: Endurance. Um, well, you're gonna have you're gonna have longer dur- endurance uh, at a lower airspeed. Um, you know, if you get to an airspeed where the, the, the duct tape starts to fray and, and slide around a little bit, maybe starts to lose adhesion, maybe starts to, to flap around or something. Um, you're creating drag. Um, you're setting up all kinds of nonsense, you know, uh, downstream uh, uh, the wing, and uh, it's just it's not going to get any better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and as far as the weight they added, I mean, Dave Morris is not, you know, a big guy. And the Part 103 airplane that uh, James and and Kathy Wiebe are are selling has has a fairly decent payload. I mean, 254 pounds is supposed to be the legal limit of, of the empty weight. Then you get to add fuel and a body, yeah. And whatever the skin weighed, I mean, let's say for theoretical purposes, there were eight pounds of skin on the airplane, and you
1: use double that weight in duct tape. Oh my God, it's eight pounds heavier. Yeah, that's I, that was my thought at the time as well. It's like, yeah, okay, it's it's heavier, but it's probably even still within gross weight. I bet. And, well, it, you know, take out a gallon of gas and call it even. There you go. There right. you go. So right. not going anywhere. <laughs> it was all it was actually kind of interesting um you know it's kind of a you know ho-hum you know as pilots i i I just really had no question that the alaska thing was a true story and uh and that they were going to reproduce it you know and 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 you know as a as a media producer i understand that they had to kind of dramatize it and kind of oh my gosh is it going to work you know um, invent some conflict. Invent well, yeah, if
2: they approached any of these stories of the nod, nod, wink, wink, we know that it's going to be okay, but we're just going through the motions for you. Uh, they wouldn't have near the audience that they have. No,
1: yeah, so... Anyways. Uh, uh congratulations to uh, Jim Wiebe and light Aircraft for uh, uh for being part of this and for uh, getting some good exposure and getting to hang and, out with Carrie Byron and uh, all this stuff and
2: uh, and the link uh that uh, I've got in here that'll take you to uh, uh IB James Wiebe's website and a collection of photos from the production of the episode. Yeah. If if you're curious, I know Jack's already printed out the ones of Carrie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but got uh, it.
2: Got it on his desktop now. Probably so, yeah. as part of the screensaver. So I
1: have to send her an email, huh? I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really particularly care, but I guess it's part of my job here, is the you know part of the podcast. So I'll do it. What the heck? What I the know heck? what a burden it's going to be. Welcome, folks, to episode 259 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. <laughs>
0: Throughout the day, but it's just airplanes, so it's not—it's it's not really noise. Good background noise. That's yeah, right. this That's is right. this is the best seat in the house. That's right. We Here. got skyriders now. We got skyriders
3: now. We got skyriders now. Sky Riders
0: they, Riders they now. Have, it, does that say UCap?
3: I can't.
0: It's
1: got <laughs> a runway in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you're in sight, Cleveland. Turkey
3: Central Ground, good afternoon, sir. Taxi via Foxtrot and Delta.
1: We're recording this episode on, uh, what is it, Friday, October 21st, 2011? I think that's right. And uh, joining me here on the virtual hangar, my two good friends, uh, Dave Higdon's out there, talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. How are you doing tonight? Doing lovely. Doing
2: lovely. Uh, you know, we we got nice fall weather, going out to the airport tomorrow after breakfast and uh, uh, to see if we can't uh, bum a little ride in a tea craft Ooh, yeah. uh, and uh, bring along the camera because uh, the weather's turned really nice, and and what little vegetation we still have on the trees after the heat wave is actually starting to, to look pretty nice.
1: So. Yeah, likewise up here, it seems to finally turning into, uh, you know, leaf peeper season. And that kind well, of three of our six remaining leaves have turned red. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> and also here in the virtual hangar is Jeb Burnside talking to us from somewhere near
0: Sarasota, Florida. How are you tonight, Jeb? I'm fine. You guys talking like it's you know getting late in the year or something here. Yeah, what's what's I the problem? I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's you know it's just
2: well, the. Come on, come on. It's October there too. Yeah, it is. It is. And the
0: the the, <laughs> the 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 news flash would be the the pool's water temperature uh, is 71 at last blush, oh, but it yeah. should it should come up a little bit over the weekend. And that's with Listen. the new heater in place, right? Well, I just I just started running it again today. I was out of town earlier in the week. And it was overcast and rainy and chilly. I saw steam coming off of it last night. Uh, oh, that's it, always it, cool. It, it's, it's, it's just, it was just, you know, this, the air's been that cold. But it's getting ready to warm back up again. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay. We'll right. see what happens.
1: Hey, and I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you from high atop Lookout Point in, uh, yeah, it's finally getting to be leaf peeper season, Nottingham, New Hampshire. And do you, uh, do you get tourists up there for this? Uh, well, not in my yard, but... Uh, <laughs> but oh yeah i mean people coming up in and they they I, I my sense is that people who want to watch the foliage go further north or further west they go into northern new hampshire or maine or vermont um, yeah. where i am in sort of the southeastern quadrant of new hampshire is a little bit more you know it's not urban certainly but it's not really. so south how
2: far south from, south the, bo- how from the massachusetts line are you
1: Uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to guess miles, but it takes me about, um, 40 minutes to drive to the Massachusetts line. Okay. Okay. A a good part of that is driving due West though. I have to kind of go West in order to get to Manchester and then South to the line. Um, Ah,
0: so you got to take a detour. I
1: got to take a detour. That's right. Anyways,
0: you have to go West to go to Manchester. I'm looking at a map here. Finally.
2: Yeah. That sounds right in line with Columbus, who went west looking for the Far East. Yeah, He
0: didn't know
1: know how far out that was. Yeah.
0: Okay, Okay, Manchester. I see it now. All right. Nashua?
1: No, no. Nashua is where my airport is, but I live. Hang on a second. I'm going to send you a link here. At least I'm going to try and send you a link. Let's see here. And I think, let's see if that's clickable. That's a pretty ugly link. That's a Google Maps with a location embedded in it. Whoa, what a big link you have. Yeah, I know. Does it work? Click on it. It does. It does. And is there a little uh a mark there? Yeah. And see it says lookout out point.
0: It does. There you go. Okay. Do you think I yeah. think I made this up? This is like No, I, I didn't, but now okay. I gotta zoom in and see where the hell in the world this is. Yeah, okay. There you go. And I mean, and you, you were right at
2: anytime. the tip of the A?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're actually. Well, see that little marker is not in the, quite the right spot, but uh, but yeah, we're actually out on the point. We are. I am literally. Well, I, that's we, what I was wondering. That little hook to the right,
2: that little stub that sticks out there. That's yeah, where you are. That's where I are. Yeah. Well, that's a very cool
1: spot. It's a very cool spot. My yes, family, it is. My family's yes, been here is. for a long, long time. There's a lot of rocks under there. Yeah, yeah. That's why they call it the Granite State. Anyways, um, so I never took it for granted. Cheb, here's what I wanted to follow up on. Uh, this could, we maybe we're going to dispense with this real quickly. Last episode, we were talking about your pond, all right? Okay. And, okay. and And I mentioned your bridge, and you said, oh, yeah, the bridge. That's another story I'll tell you about later on, okay? And then we forgot to ask you about the bridge. And so oh. I said, I want to know what's going on with your bridge. Have you turned it into Not, a drawbridge yet or something? Or?
0: No, no, I haven't done that. But I, that's kind of what I was talking about was the drawbridge idea.
1: Uh-huh.
2: So you could take off and land float planes.
0: Well, (laughs) that would be be one possible outcome. Uh, Although the bridge, I think, would still be too high uh, to try to squeeze a float plane between open water, you know, just between two pilings. It's not going to happen. Well— but what yeah, we do, but, yeah. Go uh, ahead. But but you could you you could stick a you know an ultralight on um, floats tail in that gap and make a turning takeoff. I don't think that'd be a problem at all.
1: That's exactly my I, my vision here is yeah, that you have yeah, a drawbridge so open yeah, up the bridge. Getting back
0: in, getting back in, might be a neat trick.
1: No, you can you land in short distance easy. You, you know
2: what you're yeah, doing. Getting back in usually takes less space than getting out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's you
0: true.
1: you you can land an ultralight in that that distance. I bet you anything. All right. Yeah. Um, but, uh,
0: um, but 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 yeah, you know, just
1: just take kind of off. eyeballing th- yeah.
0: eyeballing things and what would it take and how you'd do it and stuff like that. Possib- possibility, I don't know. We'll yeah, see. no, because that's what
1: I vi- I envision. You open up the drawbridge yeah, he- and you get in the ultralight float plane and then you kind of like do two or three laps getting up to speed. All right, <laughs> and then when you finally get going <laughs> fast enough, you can lift off. Yeah.
0: All right, now, see the the bridge is too tall. You you won't be able to just slide a fuselage. Of, a, of, a, of an ultralight through there, drawbridge. You're going to have a drawbridge that opens yeah, up it, completely. It's not. It's not going to. Oh, well, I guess we could. We could do the whole I, bridge. I was going to say,
2: we? dude, that's gonna be pretty <laughs> wide. I don't think it's yeah. wide enough from ship to shore. So.
0: I don't think yeah. so either.
1: Yeah. Anyways, if you lift the bridge <laughs> anyway. up. So speaking of of uh, of uh, water landings, you know, this is like this is my segue into well, that, water landings. Into uh, a lot of trouble. for that. <laughs> I know this is a story from a couple of weeks ago, but this is actually kind of cool. Um, it, 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 it's mind bending and cool, and a lot of different emotions come to play here. If you ask me, um, this is the story about the guy who was ferrying um, a, a twin of some sort. What, like a three ten? I guess three
2: ten. Yeah, Cessna
1: three ten. He was ferrying it from the west coast of the United States to Florida. And, oops, he ran out of gas before he got to Florida. Well, time timeout. Yeah. To, to, to Hawaii. I'm sorry, what did I California say? California to Hawaii? I said Florida. You're right. Hawaii. I was going to say, dude, there's a shorter way than Hawaii. Yeah, no, no, (laughs) Hawaii. He was going to Hawaii from the west coast of the United (laughs) States. And before he got to Hawaii, he ran out of gas, all right? Um, And that's kind of a big oops, all right? because So he's partway across. Now, Jeb, you're the one or somebody, you're the one that kind of told me about this. Maybe you're the one that discovered that that this wasn't the first time this guy tried this, right? That's That's correct. What happened the first time?
0: Uh first time which let's go back here. Uh yeah, there we go. First time was on uh October five. Um November two three Bravo Tango, a mm-hmm. Cessna three ten, the accident aircraft, um took off from uh, Oakland, California, headed for um where the hell was he going? Uh well Honolulu, I guess. Um got about halfway there turned around, and went back to Oakland. Yeah, okay. okay. So, <laughs> now, we don't then, know for a fact that it was the same pilot
1: the first time. Do we?
0: we don't know that at all. Okay. We know it's the same airplane. Right. And so, then t- two days later, from uh, Monterey, it took off uh, and came up the 13 miles, proverbial 13 miles short of uh, uh, Hilo, I guess, in this, case, oh, in this sense. yeah, man. Uh, that's where it was headed um kind of ruin your whole day yeah really you know so this guy had the foresight to
1: realize he was running out of gas and that he probably wasn't going to make it and so he hollered for help twice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well you know Unfortunately, if, it, if, if it was the same guy well if it was the same guy In my, you know, here's my here's my scenario my scenario wasn't the same guy here's my scenario the first time it was one guy who headed out and then realized there was a problem and turned around and, bef- and realized before it was too late and turned around and went back all right and then they're all sitting around around the in the fbo drinking coffee all right and the guy's going oh man this was close but i another guy goes eh, i can do it no problem and i'm making this all up folks this is just totally out of my imagination anyways the second That's time not where i thought it was coming from the second <laughs> time the second time A darker the second time um, that. <laughs> he did not discover the problem until he was more than halfway and so he had to mar- marshal on and he hollered for help and the coast guard came out and uh and uh, escorted him in, and and the, and the other thing that's notable about this is that so then somebody on one of the Coast Guard aircraft uh, actually videoed the actual touchdown, which is kind of cool actually to uh, to actually see this touchdown. Yeah, I mean you know, you know, I'm I'm tempted to say he did a good job of doing the touchdown, but that kind of more than is you know ruined by the fact that he did such a bad job of fuel planning.
2: Well, now time <laughs> yeah. out, time out, yeah, chime out. yeah, we we don't know that. That's presuming facts not yet introduced to evidence. Let me give you some examples. Uh, That first time out when whoever it was turned around before the midpoint got back or around the midpoint and got back, no sweat, no strain, could have been because of a number of factors, including winds aloft not being as forecast. Uh, or they could have started out as forecast and changed to something that wasn't in the flight plan and done it dramatically enough. And it doesn't even have to be a headwind. Mm-hmm. It could just be the change from a tailwind to a crosswind. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And suddenly your pooch needs to have protected sex. So, uh, yes. Okay. Because get- you know what's happening to the pooch. Uh, same thing with this one. Not knowing anything more about it than the fact that he got within 13 miles when he earlier projected that he was going to be, you know, quite a bit farther short than that, leads me to wonder whether the conditions weren't uh, changing rather dramatically as he made the crossing. So he starts out, he gets to past the halfway point, the totalizers are saying, Yeah, baby, you're good to go. And then at 700 miles out, when you're way past the you know, halfway point, there's no way you're going back even with, you know, a good tailwind. All of a sudden, it goes cross from tail, and suddenly the help that was getting you there goes away. Or maybe it goes from a little headwind to a little bit more headwind to a little bit more headwind, and and you watch the totalizer click down and click down and click down, and suddenly it starts flashing its a little alarm setting that's saying, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, you're not getting there from here with this amount of gas anymore. And boom, you're in trouble. Yeah,
0: yeah. So well, we, 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 there's a lot we don't know about this. We don't know yeah. if it was the same pilot. We don't know how the airplane was equipped. We don't know what the weather was uh, forecast or actual. I don't know. The whole thing just seems kind of marginal to me, though. Why couldn't Why couldn't a Cessna 310 make it with I'm, sh- I'm sure you know extra tankage? Why wasn't there enough tankage? Why wasn't there more of a margin? I don't know. I don't know.
1: I don't know either. Did, did they recover the airplane? Do you know? No, I, I'm sure they didn't. I, I, I would It'd imagine be, they didn't, but you never know. Um,
2: it's not an it, it's not an A330, right? Uh, you know, the, the, yeah. the cost of just yeah. getting out know, the there is more than yeah. it's worth. Yeah. yeah.
0: If yeah. if some insurance company wants to to deal with it, great. But the airplane's probably only worth fifty grand to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it's been a couple of weeks. Is there an NTSB? Uh, you know. Start I don't a know.
0: Report let's, yet. let's let's go find See out. Let's go find that real quick. You're
1: better at this so, than and, I am. So I and,
2: like and, and Jeb's been there, and and I'm betting you have too, Jack. And I've been on trips where, under normal circumstances, I made that leg easily just two weeks earlier, right. going westbound with a headwind. And today, no matter what altitude I'm flying. I'm not gonna get there without a stop. Yeah. No, that's now true. that's the nice difference between over land and over water. Right. That stopping thing is so much more yeah. viable. Yeah. Yeah. you, you can uh, take off again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There 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 is no uh, entry in the NTSD preliminary database at this point okay. uh on this accident, on All this stitching. Right.
1: Well, let's move on here. Uh, but so that's Sorry, sort of the first but, uh, yeah. That's sort of our first off-field landing of the week this week. Um, If we can make it through the list, we actually have three, so we'll see how we do. Before we
2: leave this, it's worth pointing out that what you see on the videotape here, is, is really not a bad little primer for a water ditching in case you ever have to do one.
1: Yeah, right. I, 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 I tried to give him credit for that at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seemed like he did a pretty decent job of, of setting it down. And uh, One of the best
2: arguments I know for flying a retract airplane yeah. no, I've heard is that, that if, you, if, if you got a ditch in the water, you are 70% farther ahead of the game in terms of landing and keeping it upright. Right. You, in a fixed gear airplane. You
1: land with the gear up so that the gear and don't go. snag. Right, yeah. Okay. Alright, maybe we'll come back to this someday later on. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, moving on here. Uh, a really quick little item here. Um, I posted, there's a link here to a, a photo gallery that has to do with a motorcycle trip that took place like 50, oh, 60 years ago. Alright? Um, and the motorcycle part is kind of cool, but this isn't a motorcycle podcast. But if you look at photos number two, three, and four in this sequence, there are a couple of really interesting looking airplanes. Um, I'm wondering if either of you can identify these airplanes. Uh, Two,
0: two, three, and four?
1: Yeah, the second, third, and fourth pictures. So the first, there's a a number of, there's two pictures that have the first model in them. Right, right. And then their third picture has a completely different one. So let's talk about the first model. It is a very large tail dragger, high wing, Cargo plane because the nose opens up so that you can put right. a ramp there and load things a, in
0: through the nose. That's a British design. I've, I don't remember if it was like an Avro or a. Uh, and they're both the same airplane. It's the same, it's the same type airplane. I don't know if it's the same airplane. Well, uh, but the, the two it's, airplanes
1: it's, in this picture, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 Right, I yes. know that. Yeah, yes. So okay. uh, a, t- um, a twin engine prop. Um
0: hmm. You know, interesting looking yeah. airplane. I'm not sure if I've ever seen one like this before. It's very different. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen pictures of them before. I've never seen one in, it, in the flesh. But uh it almost uh, looks it's, like it has it's, um, fixed late forties, early fifties. Yeah, I think it does. It's an early I'm sorry, uh late late forties, early fifties uh British design, I think. I can't tell it, it appears to run radial engines. I uh those could be big early turboprops, but I I think I just, those are big early turboprops. You think? I, yeah they don't I do. appear
1: to be radials to me, but I, they're really far off. And let's see the other picture here. Look at the second picture. you got a little better uh, look at the yeah, engines. yeah um, oh, it's hard to tell because look at the scoop on top. To, oh is that some sort of turbocharger kind of thing?
0: That doesn't mean anything okay you'd have that, you'd have you'd have to have a scoop of some kind yeah and and you could have a just a really big spinner on these, and they're tightly cowled, apparently, oh, that doesn't mean anything yeah. The, the, uh, I, I don't know.
1: I the don't picture know. is labeled, or the web page is labeled SS-100. I wonder if that's the, the model number of the airplane. What happens if we Google I it? Think
0: that's I think that's maybe, um, no, here it is. Bristol Freighters. Um we read the Yeah, okay. Detect uh, uh, on the on the site, the, the the last line above. Bristol the, Super uh, Freighter. Second, it's, Bristol it's, Super Freighter. Okay. It's
2: Bristol it's, Super Freighter. Unless, I'll be damned. Do, yeah. do Wikipedia
1: that for us, please.
0: I'm going to. I'm going to. Bristol that's where first. I found it.
1: Yeah. Now the yeah. Uh, while he's looking that up, the other aircraft that's in the third or the the fourth picture in the series um, is uh, a, a, another twin, smaller, but a different design altogether. Uh, it's a, a high wing twin tricycle gear with a tw- what appears to be a twin boom kind of twin tail to it, and. Uh, um, that's also an interesting-looking airplane. Um, it, I, I'm sure, I don't know if it's cargo or passengers, probably both. And uh, I wonder if there's something about the name of it here. I don't see it, any note about its name. But uh, interesting airplanes. Uh, so do you guys, either of you, uh, David, while you, do you recognize this uh, Twin Boom aircraft?
2: No. I've seen it before, but I don't recognize it. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't give you a name for it.
0: Right. Anyways. Um... Yeah, I, I've seen it before also. I can't tell you what it is. its is. Uh, let's see. The Does, text doesn't say anything.
1: It doesn't appear to, so I'm looking at it right now here.
0: Yeah, can't really tell. No, and I, I was
2: wrong about the engines. <laughs> They're 14-cylinder radials. <laughs>
0: Okay. Are they? Wow. Uh, they're 14? I thought radials had to be an odd number. Yeah, that's right. I thought,
1: but well,
2: if,
0: they could be Unless they're twin, twin, double row. Double twin, row. Twin, yeah, twin row sevens. That makes sense. That makes sense. Interesting. This this little um, um, twin, high-wing twin, it looks like a, an oval or pod. Uh, it's kind of cute. It's kind of cool. The twin boom thing? Yeah, yeah
1: the other one, the uh, the, yeah. the, the
0: the twin yeah. boom, twi- tail, yeah. twin tail one. Yeah, I bet, of, yeah. bet it really sucked on one engine now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like it's got inline engines, like, it's, you know, a gypsy
0: something or other. Exactly, inverted Kinner or something, yeah. you know. So uh, uh, people should take a
1: look at these. Uh, Jeff will certainly put links to this page in the show notes. I might even kind of grab these two images and put them in the blog so people could look at it. And we'd, I'd like to know if our listeners can tell us anything more
0: about these aircraft. They're kind of interesting. Um, isn't there some way to tell Google to, like, find matching images or something?
1: Well, if you had, you can you can say Bristol Aircraft and then click the image button, but...
0: Uh, but but uh, I'm, we don't know what the second... This, but the this second
1: one, we don't know. I, I, I don't believe... Google's that smart yet i hope
2: Uh, you know what i'm (laughs) curious about is this motorcycle in the foreground in the next to last shot in the next to last shot yeah next
0: to
1: last shot of what of the whole series oh well then they jumped so most of the pictures in this gallery are from oh i'm sorry there's more now yeah sorry long list, man. It's a yeah. long list. Mo- most of these pictures are from this tour that
0: these
2: guys oh, took yeah. back
0: in
1: 1953 across Europe, and it's very, very okay. Cool. It's the shot right after
2: the goofy little airplane right. we don't know about. Yeah, uh,
0: okay. no, I, right. I see what you're talking about. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to know what that is too. That's very cool.
2: Yeah, it reminds me kind of, of an aerial square four. Yeah, but that's uh, not an aerial square four. It seems to have a drive four. shaft.
0: Uh, you can look n- on
2: the right side. All right,
0: no, I think that's. Uh, it
2: may just be the swing arm, but
0: it, I think that's No, it's not the brake pedal. I don't. I can't tell what that is. Oh,
2: okay, black um, thing. It disappears behind the
0: muffler. Well, no, there's there's a shiny thing coming out of the tail end of the engine too. Um, but which is not uh, which is not the exhaust system, but it could be a support for the muffler. It could be it. Could be maybe a, some kind of lever. It could be the brake lever. I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, this is, uh, this is a black glossy. It yeah, could be
0: a brake lever. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it extends from, looks like it comes out of mm-hmm. the engine case about where I'd expect the transmission to be, mm-hmm. given like drive shaft. Is it a drive shaft? That's there's
0: what equally, I was wondering about. There's an equally good argument, and I can't, I'm zooming in on this thing, I can't tell anyways okay well i was wrong about not being a motorcycle podcast apparently so yeah apparently so i i can't tell what that is but i i think it's maybe part of the exhaust support system i don't know could be right there's there's a kickstarter i see there's a gear shifter i see on this side so there's not going to be a brake pedal on this side of that bike uh, not with the
2: shifter on the yeah. right, no it would yeah, be on that's the left. that's
0: not an aerial square four, but i don 't know what that is and i can't read any logos on the tank or anything yeah, the yeah. first first one of the
2: first bikes i ever rode was a a a uh a uh b s a, a BSA. uh two guys on my paper route. one of them had a norton, the other one had mm-hmm. a bsa They looked down on the triumph guys uh oh, yeah. they were hard for me to ride because the the shift and the brake were backward.
0: Right. I've got a Boltaco like that. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, the, the brakes on the left, shifters on the right. And it's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> g- 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 keeps you on your toes. Moving on. <laughs> Moving right along. Coming Weather,
1: soon motorcycles. To... All right. See, I'm going to have to put a disclaimer in, so in, motor- in the show notes
0: this time. Yeah? Coming soon to you, another UCAT production, uncontrolled motocross.
1: Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. Moving on. One of the kind of romantic notions, at least in my mind, about flying, one of the circumstances that people talk about getting themselves in, I've never been in it, but it seems cool, and that is when you're like flying, particularly they talk about when you're soaring, when you're sailplanes, is that you're soaring and a, a bird, particularly a hawk, will form up on you and will kind of soar, will thermal with you, and that always seemed like that would be very, very cool. All right? Have had it happen? Have you, yeah, and it must be yeah. must be really, really cool, but even that pales in comparison to what happened in these videos all right uh this is just you guys both watch these videos uh, david no, you posted I, 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 the link
2: yeah oh yeah i watched it because Jeff, it's it almost reminded worth the risk something from years ago uh-huh.
1: it's almost well, worth the risk of having you watch this because it's very very cool uh-huh. hang, um, hang, on, hang on a second it is um uh, some guys um Para, is that what do they, they call that, David? Parasailing? Paragliding. Paragliding. Yeah, parasailing, paragliding. Okay. So they're, so just to, to, for people not familiar, um, hanging from sort of basically a parachute canopy um, in sort of a sitting in sort of a sling with the handles for controlling it. And, and you foot launch and you, you know, ridge soar or thermal or whatever it is you do to stay aloft. But you soar in this rig. All right. In this particular case, they uh, got in. Co- they, they, I guess we were working with a guy who had a. To the extent you can train a falcon or a hawk, all right, this was a trained hawk who not only flew in formation with this thing, but actually landed on the guy. The guy would yeah. stick his arm out, all right, and he was hol- in a leather gloved hand, presumably holding some sort of food or meat or something like that. And the bird actually came in and landed on his hand. And we saw this. No, I- I'm, I'm looking at
0: this. It, it, it strikes me of, of what you'd see from a well-trained falcon. Yeah, and, and falcons well, and, and hawks are you know similar in, in a lot of different ways. Right. I, I can see this being a well-trained bird, and it's very cool to it's watch. It's very very it's, cool. It, it's very very cool.
1: In fact, when you get to the end of the video, it becomes apparent that it is a trained bird. Um, that that its handler it it comes and lands you know on its handler's arm, who's right. standing on the ground. Um, nevertheless. Very, very Still. cool. Some very cool footage of this all right, of the bird flying alongside of the bird trying to catch up so that it can actually land a couple of different times the bird actually had to struggle a little bit you know it 's like it couldn 't quite land on the moving you know on the guy 's hand while he was while he was flying um, a, a couple other shots where the bird then took off from the guy 's hand I mean, just very very cool I, I, this well, is neat video.
2: years ago uh like late seventies early eighties when hang gliding was still fairly new and this big tournament going on uh, it, it was called the masters of hang gliding uh, at, at Grandfather Mountain in North Carolina and one of the pilots on the East Coast community had trained a red tail this is a Harris's hawk in these videos uh, you know they're they're all close cousins uh, you know the, the the red tails all know the Harris's folks their neighbors uh, but the the uh, the guy had trained this red tail to fly down a hill and land on his arm while he was under the hang glider and then he started flying the hang glider and getting the hawk to land on his arm there he even put an if i remember right put an extension out on the base tube Mm -hmm. So that the hawk actually had a perch to land on with a a padded uh, uh, aluminum tube. Uh, It's very cool. Uh, It's just amazing to watch these birds. And they'll form up on you, even the wild ones. And then they will put you to shame. Yeah, I bet.
1: <laughs> yeah, they sort of have a little more they have a few more hours than we yeah. do probably. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. But and, uh, and much better experience. wing loading. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and I've always thought though that one of the big benefits they have other than practice, you know, is they have a much better stall warning system. Uh, you know, I, I well, it's a 100% adaptable wing. Not only is it 100% adaptable wing, but, but every feather on the entire wing is a stall you know, sensor so that they can feel the stall. I, I would imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but it would seem to me that they can feel the stall happening on the wing. And react to it in a way that we, with our little simple little stall indicators, you know, or our stall, you know, uh, sensors oh, and the can't The way they
2: do. the way they sense lift, I swear they see temperature differences.
1: I wouldn't be surprised.
2: I wouldn't. You be know, surprised. I mean, as they could detect visually temperature differences and go for that air. Yeah. Because so. I'd seen them go into lifting conditions from downwind. I mean I'm sorry from upwind where there's no way they would have smelled a temperature difference. Mm-hmm. They had to have been able to see it. Could, be. Uh, Could th- be. there's only one thing a hawk can do that a hang glider pilot can't do. Yeah. That's take off again after you land in the trees.
1: <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Anyways, cool video. Jeff will put a link in the show notes yeah. and you should yeah. take a look. This is a really really sweet piece of video of uh of flying these uh these uh uh, parachutes and uh, and also with the hawk um, interacting with them very very cool let 's see now um, so um, a bit of uh, podcast administration. Um, I have an invitation I want to make to our listeners. We periodically get uh, requests from or offers from listeners, very generous offers to help us out with the podcast and there aren 't many ways it 's kind of it 's kind of fallen into a workflow that kind of takes care of itself largely um, and uh, doesn 't really lend itself to having a lot of helpers. Um, But there is one area that I think that if listeners were so inclined, they could make a real contribution, and that has to do with the intro that we have at the beginning of the podcast. Um, The intro that you hear at the beginning of this podcast is the same one we've been using for maybe a year now, and it's okay, but it's getting a little old, and it wasn't the most creative thing in the first place, and so I would like to invite our listeners, any listeners who are so inclined, to create a new intro for us. And just like the disclaimers, I'm not looking for one to be the new intro. Uh, if we had a handful of good ones, we could put them on a rotation and use them from, you know, you know, a different one each week. So uh, if anybody has any idea about what kind of intro you might uh, think would be good for this podcast, uh, we would like to hear it. Um, so, uh, uh, go for it. You can use any of the material that's in any of the past episodes. Clip out uh, our voices, uh, clip out conversation, um, you know, combine whatever you want to combine. Um, I, make no promises. You may do a lot of work and it just doesn't work for us, and so it might not get used. And to that extent, if you want to run your ideas by us first by email, I'd be glad to talk to you about them. Um, but generally speaking, but there's only one thing that would disqualify an entry, and that would be if it used copyrighted music. Don't use any copyrighted music. All right, but other than that, you know, all the material in it must be yours or public domain, and uh, or ours, which is the all the old podcasts. So. Um, I'd love to hear some cre- creative ideas from people. And uh, I, you know, b- based on how the disclaimers all turned out, i got to figure that there are some cool ideas out there for a little intro piece that will go at the beginning of every episode. So uh, um, if you have any questions about that, give me, uh, send me an email. Uh, there will be soon a, a page on the website with some details, some guidelines, some ideas. If you want to go to uncontrolledairspace.com newintro new um, intro, you can get a little bit more information. So that's our little bit of administrative here. Um, what's next? Second off-field landing of the week. Uh, oh, boy, there's two. It's a bonus. There's three if we get to the third one. I don't know. We'll see what's happening. We're running a little oh long God. here. But uh, but let's see now. Number two is uh, from an airplane that landed on residential streets in uh, Wisconsin. Let's see now. What do we got? Uh, I, I've a, listener, a couple of listeners have sent us a couple of different links. There's some interesting um, stories about this. Uh, I'm looking now uh, from the Milwaukee uh, Wisconsin Journal Sentinel newspaper's website JS Online headline is small plane lands on street in Watertown which is a town I believe in Wisconsin a small plane landed on a town road Monday east of an airport in Watertown no one was injured in the incident which blocked part of 12th Street near Watertown Municipal Airport according to the police uh, the plane is being taken to the airport and the FAA has been contacted the police say so it goes on tells a little bit more about this, um, let's see now. I think the pilot was Ryan Dassau, D A S S O W, of Milwaukee, and uh, he's flown the plane. It doesn't for,
2: give us a clue what happened here, does it? No, no. it doesn't.
1: It, it doesn't. It's you know, it's probably you know some sort of engine failure. Um, there's a couple of links. I didn't. I'm, I'm not sure if I've looked at them all. One thing I like. I want to credit where credit is due. Um, this uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel article uh, in the, on their website, anyways, and I don't know what their newspaper article was like. Um, I, f- I found this to be a very, very even-handed uh, uh, piece. Um, they never characterized this as a crash, uh, which I really I give them credit for. They talk right. about how he landed the airplane on a street. And uh, I, I like that. I th- you know. And he apparently did land it. Um, he apparently yeah. clipped some some structures, some uh, phone poles or light poles or something like that. Um, but he certainly didn't hit any. I think he ran into the back of a car. Is this the one where the guy ran into the back of a car?
0: I can't tell. Um, this see. one. Uh, this airplane looks remarkably intact. Yeah. Uh, Let me look at the other although side. it does appear the upper cowling is off of it. Uh, the, the, but that's one of the first things I would do. Also, if I just had to land on a road, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I would. I would be uh, annoyed, and I would have the yeah. upper caliber.
1: But, uh,
2: anyways, congratulations. You, you, you know, it, it's it's always been it's so helpful to get this sense of being in touch with what just went wrong by standing and staring at the engine of a machine that's after the engine stopped running.
0: Well, at least at least you have something animate or inanimate at which your anger can be directed.
2: Yeah, you look at it and you go, "Damn." Well, that's what happened. <laughs> what? What's that? Well, you can see it right there. Yeah,
1: I know there it is, right You don't there. see that? I uh, if you don't see it, I can't explain it to you. Check please. Anyways, congratulations to uh, Ryan Dessau uh, for uh, Yeah, nice nice job. For getting nice to job. down yeah, safely and we'll live to
2: fly again.
1: Uh, can we see the? Oh, no, we can't quite make out the tail number. Jeb, I was wondering if there's a uh, NTSB I on this one.
0: I looked. There's nothing on this one yet. Nothing on this one either. Huh? Although there may never be, because this may not be classified as an accident or an incident. Oh, that's true.
1: Possible. Well, I
2: thought, I thought engine Well, engine stoppages in flight have to be reported, but that doesn't mean they necessarily no. launch an NTSB. No.
0: If, if, Particularly if, when if there's the basic, no damage. The basic engine failure where a successful landing is made is not reportable. Really? Read well, to the right. NTSB. To the NTSB or anybody else, for that matter.
2: You don't have to send a little note to the FAA and said, by the way, this light yeah. uh, IO 360, no. kind of stopped. No, Just wanted to know. Love, Dave.
0: <laughs> now, if you're, a, if you're a commercial operator, the answer is yes. Yeah, but if, that's, you're not, yeah, if, that's if you're a non-commercial operator, um, there's no reporting requirement.
1: Well, what about the fact well, that, there, that this was a rental a, airplane?
0: A, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a gray area. It depends on what the uh, NTSB considers to be commercial.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Which uh, will be different than what the FAA considers to be commercial. Right,
1: right. And now for a commercial for our because, studio. Because the, the word commercial can have different meanings under different circumstances, right? That's me being cynical.
0: We'll be right back after this me- <laughs> message.
1: I'm not even talking about the fact that it's a homonym. Is that the right word? a Homonym? I I don't know. Yeah, I understand that the same word means different, dramatically different things, but I'm saying that when it even means the same thing, it can
0: mean different things. Welcome to my world.
3: I guess so. This is a special report. We now take you to the press conference where a world-famous cryptographer and historian is about to reveal the mysterious message hidden for centuries by a secretive sect whose members lived and died to conceal what you are about to hear. Okay, thank you for coming. I have the parchment here, which we have dated to approximately 1,900 years old. And here is our uh, best effort at an English translation of this secretive message. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. What is this? Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with? Come on, man, seriously, what is this? Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always... Consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. What? Uh, Oh, oh, there's more. But you knew that. What's going on here? Where did this come from? What intern did this translation? Is he working on a grant? I wanna know who's responsible for this. This is ridiculous. This makes no sense. There were no airplanes 2,000 years ago.
1: Moving on. Let's see now. Um, do you want to do the
0: third one real quick so we get it in?
1: Uh, no, because I'm skipping around here. I'm gonna, I think we're going to make it here. The next one I want to talk about is uh, 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 kudos to whoever it is, FAA. Um, so a listener in the uh, forums... Reports that it came up to be his turn to uh, his time to do his uh, FAA aircraft re-registration. We talked about this a while back. Yeah, where, I've got mine here somewhere. Where I'm the fine. FAA oh, suddenly right announced that everybody, you know, um, you know, it's like, oh, by the way, because we've seemed to have lost everybody's registration. I'm oversimplifying and kind of, uh, but something. Yeah, wrong. that so, is. It's 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 to harmonize with international. Right. So um, for for various uh, reasons uh, that we don't want to go into, uh, uh, every, everybody's got to re-register their airplane. And there's going to be a phased-in thing over the next, I don't know, year or two years or whatever it was. Actually, three years. Three, okay. And so yeah. uh, listener, uh, Cozy171BH uh, s so, I Sometimes there ought to be a, you know, there ought to be like a description. So people tell us what these things mean. Cozy. Yeah, we, we should
0: talk to the software guy.
1: Cozy 171BH, which is probably his <laughs> tail number, um, uh, reports in the forums that uh, his turn came up and uh, it went really smoothly. He, he was actually very, yeah. very impressed. He said, uh, 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 let's see now, we're a little over a year into the mandatory requirement that all U.S. registered aircraft be re-registered. Those of you who are aircraft owners know or should know that the re-registration occurs in phases depending. Depending on when the aircraft was originally registered. Today, I received a notice from the FAA that it is time for me to re-register my COSY. Uh, he says, I opted to do it do so online, following the directions on the notice. It took all of four minutes. He says, I don't he says, I don't hesitate to be critical of the FAA when they deserve it, but in this case, they earned my applause. Uh, he said, now if only my state's DMV were this efficient.
2: Hey, and to which we say, well, that's great, so far, so good.
0: Yeah, I know. So far, so good, yeah. So, yeah I've, got, I've got my letter right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sitting in front of me. It's a nice, clean letter piece of, you know, it's the good, clean communication, professionally done. Uh, everything on it is correct. Um, gives me like three months to send them $5 um the um the listener's absolutely correct i wish my my d m v was this easy i wish my insurance uh was as easy my car insurance was as easy as airplane insurance mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah. you know all, all of the above um so uh, i i'll i'll report back once i do this uh you know keep nagging me each week and, and i'll get to it.
1: Okay. Uh, well, apparently not, it
0: takes four minutes. You could no, do it. It only takes four minutes. I could do it while we're talking.
1: You could do it while, when David goes off on his next rant, and you'll have it done when he's halfway through. Oh, uh, actually, actually, I'm done
2: tonight. So you really
1: are, good. huh? Okay. Well, all right, David. While well, on that, I, side, I was going to go get a beer. <laughs> yeah, I know, right, David? Uh, so you, Sir. Uh, you're telling us that Cessna has some news. They've just reported their what their quarterly uh, uh, financials. What did they say? They were smiling.
2: Since they made money.
1: Well, that, the profits that's were up in thing. the third
2: quarter. Their deliveries of Citation Jets were up in the third quarter. Profit increased to 64 mil on higher revenue due to higher deliveries and good performance. And their backlog is thinning out a little bit. Uh, but then that's pretty much the story across the board uh, for everybody except it seems Gulfstream and the global folks, mm-hmm. and Falcon just a, a large extent, but not mm-hmm. quite the same. Everybody making the big cabin stuff has been doing okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: so the the, the so takeaway from this story is that is that cautiously we'll think that maybe things are churning up in the aviation industry. Is that what we're thinking? I'm thinking, yeah, that guardedly that we're on a
2: three-degree incline. Okay, nobody's going to get a nosebleed from the pressure change. Uh, it's not coming back that good. So it's that's a vy strongly.
1: recovery, not a vx recovery, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, a guy who I lean on for feedback on this stuff, Brian Foley, was kind of of the same mind when I saw him at NBAA. Double uh, And this is stuff that he does for a living. Uh, is look at these markets, analyze, follows the trends. Uh, you know, we're long past the bottom. Uh, it's just that the bounce back is is less silly putty and more like lead lead shot. Uh, you know, it, it, it's got a little bounce to it, but yeah. it won't come up and hit you someplace uncomfortable. It's not bouncing that well,
1: right? Right. Okay. Well, that's the way these things work, anyway. Admittedly, this one's slower than usual, but uh... well, this has been slower than usual, and and the 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 the,
2: the bottom fell out a, a lot deeper than usual too. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said. I mean, there's a few things that bear remembering. Uh, one is that businesses in America as a whole uh, are not doing badly right now. Uh, and they're not doing badly without nearly as many workers as they used to have that's well,
1: that's a that's a problem that's, that's the problem a real pro- that's a real problem unemployment still is pretty
0: yeah awful. they've 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 downsized you know they're, they're still alive but they're not you know making money hand over fist yeah um,
1: So, anyways let's let's not turn I, this into I mean, an economics podcast well, that, it, just some
2: some industries are actually doing Record numbers right now, in terms of their margins, uh, but that's not universal it 's not widespread and it 's not lifting all boats, not by a
1: long shot. but Cessna reported a good quarter, and that 's a good thing. Cessna reported a good quarter
2: uh, I think Hawker Beach is going to show that it had a little bit better than the same period a year ago, and hopefully better than earlier this year. Uh jet spooling up the eighty five uh, stand down starts next week. I expect to hear more stuff about that uh, as the week goes on. but their learjet 's got a new a fairly new head guy over here who 's really going after taking back market share So I expect them to get really aggressive, not just with the eighty five been offering some things to update the forty and forty five and sixty. so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. None of that's bad news.
1: Yeah. Now you know it's not on the list, but uh, do we want to talk about Piper? Piper had an interesting week or so recently. Boy, right. Now
2: that's a way to put it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go tell, ahead. Tell. Let's not go into this. Let's not spend too much time on this. But give us the short version. What happened at Piper this past whatever it is week or so?
2: The investors that own Piper uh, changed horses. Uh, they've got I forget their third or fourth new CEO in three three-and-a-half years uh... some people that the prior management brought in for their expertise are no longer there uh... and the new management person announced that they were going to do a reassessment of the piper jet alter program
1: now from reading about this in the media in the in, on the net and on the media it, everyone seems to think that this is a sign that the jet programs done it may well be uh... it
2: doesn't do your sales and marketing Uh, efforts a damn bit of good if every 18 or 20 months, whoever's new in management basically makes everybody nervous about its future uh, by saying, well, we're going to reassess this given the current conditions. Guys, the current conditions are the same conditions that were the current conditions the last time you did the assessment. That hasn't changed. You've either got an airplane that people will order or you don't. Uh, And they already made a bunch of changes because what they originally started with was not catching on. It was too much like a Meridian with a jet engine, Mm -hmm. and the jet customer prospects that they really, who are Meridian customers, a lot of them, wanted the airplane to be more than an engine change and more of a step up in terms of cabin space and comfort. comfort. So they changed it. They made the cabin bigger, uh, gave it some curved lines, increased the interior space, gave it a new name. Uh, And now the folks that made that happen and started getting them in line with orders, they're gone. So, you know, it's a – I imagine there's some folks in Vero Beach right now kind of going, Whiskey Tangle, Foxtrot, are we building this airplane or not?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. It's it. You know, supposedly Piper always has built a good airplane, and uh, uh, this should be you know, just be just as good as the rest of them. I, I wish they'd you know <clears throat> stop jerking around though, and, and either build it or, or just continue.
1: Does uh, does Probably
0: Piper? Can, else do it.
1: Does Piper report their financials? Do we know how they're doing financially? I,
0: I don't. I don't know know believe if, they do. I don't. I think they're privately owned. Yeah. What What's the buzz? Are, are, are they, they report good order books? I, do they? I don't, I,
2: I don't know. They've been reporting their gamma. You know, they've been reporting through gamma their deliveries uh, all through this stuff. They didn't pull yeah. out of. And have that, that has, public have they disclosure?
1: Been, have they been picking
2: up as well? I would have to look back at the last couple of okay. quarters. Yeah.
0: But so anyway, if I
2: remember right, they were kind of in the we held on, exactly. and started exactly. to see a trickle back up. Yeah.
0: Anyways, okay, yeah. enough, enough to keep them in business.
2: And I, I'll tell you what, we should be getting Gamma's third quarter numbers in total here in the next few days. That's true. Uh, matter of fact, we're kind of past due now, and I attribute that primarily to NBAA falling when it did uh, earlier this month. Uh, Because that's right about the time all the manufacturers would have been reporting their stuff to the folks at Gamma to release the report. And, you know, when you've got the run-up to a show the size and importance of the National Business Aviation Association Convention, uh, there's a whole lot of routine stuff that just gets – it doesn't even go on the back burner. It stays in the cupboard for a little while. So that stuff's starting to catch up. That's why we got the Cessna numbers just this week. Was because NBAA was last week, and they're right. just now getting around to dealing with that. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, we'll, we'll we'll bring this
1: up when Gamma does its report. Okay, sounds like a deal. Sounds like a deal. Finally, um, our third off-field landing of the week uh, <laughs> is. Uh, let's, you know, I've got two stories here. Um, if either of you haven't looked at this the uh, uh, video, you need to look at this video. This is pretty dramatic. Um, and uh, my mouse is giving me a hard time here let's see now look at the the so the first link the the link in the, in the show notes goes to a forum posting and the forum posting has two links open the the first of the top of the two all right and watch that video uh this is pretty amazing uh it's not very long just watch closely
2: okay i'm not sure what i'm supposed to be clicking on here
1: you're looking at a story. The story, the headline this is the story from News Channel Three. Uh yeah, I got, I got I got I guess sit through some spam here first. Oh that's right. It runs an ad first. I'm sorry about that. Um it's worth it though. I want you to oh, see. is this the one from Williamsburg? Yeah, Williamsburg and the, Okay, uh, I
2: was looking in the wrong place.
1: The uh, airplane landed in a in a sort of a business park parking lot and uh, and, and a security camera actually caught it um careening across the uh the uh, parking lot. Ooh, that's such a great word. careening. Yeah. It's almost, almost not an exaggeration. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, you see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now oh, look, there's another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It was a formation flight. No. It was, <laughs> they were replaying it, so you could see it. A second oh, time. that's what it was. Yeah, I mean, this airplane, this guy. Congratulations to this pilot. Let's see enough his name. Eighty-one year old Hans Copper. Um, and his huh. passenger escaped with no injuries. Um, congratulations to him! And he threaded the needle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He put this airplane down in a fairly, you know, built-up area with foam poles and light poles and built office buildings, and uh, he managed to to not hit a building. He went right past this building. Um, he, he dinged up the airplane pretty good, that's
0: for sure. Yeah. Um, there was a, I was at this little uh, fly-in lunch thing uh, last weekend, uh, uh, a little grass strip on an island south of here near Fort Myers called uh, Pine Island Airport pine you know Pine island field or something like that and um, before I got there some guy had had flown a, a Hawk XP in and uh, according to to what he said I talked to him briefly uh, Gusta wind caught his right wing and spun him to the left and into the trees very nice you know Hawk XP P, um, but he needs a new wing now. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, this one was a little worse than that. This one,
1: uh, the tail got bent, and the the nose gear collapsed, which probably means, well, the engine may not have been turning, but uh,
2: it it broke.
1: Yeah, but this airplane's in pretty rough shape. But uh, but he did a good job of getting getting on the ground in in kind of less than ideal, you know, space. And, well, you you use the phrase, man. I mean, you you hit it. Looking at the uh, security
2: camera video. Uh, of course, there's a little lens compression going on there, so the, the width of the opening he initially entered may be more comfortable, but it definitely choked down to nothing. That yeah. was threading a needle.
0: Yeah. Big that just, that, see, that just goes to show that you can get down and stopped. In less than the POH distance, <laughs> un- 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 unless you want to use the airplane again.
2: Yeah, right. That's right. Well, yeah, yeah it, it comes down to
1: it. Wasn't a great landing, but it was a good landing. That's right. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a, you know,
1: and and there was no Ferris wheel nearby, so he, he worked with what he had. And uh, damn, yeah I bet is, this he was ready good. for some
2: cotton candy when he was done with that puppy. Yeah,
0: but yeah, there's probably a, you know a, a merry-go-round or, or something. You know, they for the kids. <laughs> yeah, really.
1: Just to to tell a little bit more like the whole story here, this is from the WTKR.com website. Uh, Small plane crashes in Williamsburg. Uh, A single-engine plane made a crash landing in Williamsburg, but both pilot and passengers escaped injury. Williamsburg Fire Department spokesman Eric Stone said the plane went down shortly before 11 a.m. Monday near Richmond Road after the aircraft experienced engine trouble. The pilot uh, he said the pilot, 81 year old Hans Cop- Copper, uh, and his passenger escaped without injuries. Uh, Copper was apparently attempting to land the 1973 Cessna in a field, but clipped a two story parking garage and then landed the heavily damaged airplane in the parking lot of a strip mall. I wondered if he
2: landed the airplane in the strip mall, causing it heavy damage. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't land a heavily damaged airplane. That airplane was perfect. Well, what, when now, he landed wait the...
0: now, wait a second. Now, what, wait what? a second. Now, wait a second. Okay, well, it does say crash landing here in the lead graph. But we were talking about this other <laughs> story earlier about how the word crash didn't appear. And okay, now we're yeah. talking about this one. And, no, of course, okay, we'll call this a crash landing. That's, that's, yeah, I think it's, it's not the best description, but it's accurate. It's yeah. not inaccurate anyway. But yeah. uh, well, I just want to
2: know. Landing, it was a crashed outcome.
0: Yeah. Jeb? I just want to know if, if the pilot here was the uh, kleptomaniac from Cleveland who copped my copper clappers.
1: Whoa. You mean, you mean Hans Copper? Hans Copper. Yeah, okay. All right. Shout outs. What do we got? Let's see now. Hey, and,
2: and way to go, Hans. I mean, yeah, yeah no, you know, no lie. Seriously, yeah. sir. Seriously. And what a sturdy little airplane a Skyhawk is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and Shout if outs. anybody needs some
2: spare airplane seats, there's four slightly used ones for 172 available in Virginia
1: yeah yeah anybody got any shout outs david i I moved two of your stories into shout outs uh you want to use do either or both of them what do you want uh yeah go
2: ahead. real quick eclipse aerospace the new company. Uh, that's bringing back the uh, the original Very Light jet is the Eclipse 550. Uh, they're donating an airframe from the original production run to the ve- Veterans Airlift Command. They're going to be taking donations to get it serviceable and then it will be put to use moving veterans around the country. Uh, uh, veterans who need the lift uh, for treatment, visit family, family support, uh, medical care, whatever. Veterans Airlift Command, go check them out. Uh, the other one Ah, uh, man This is one that I, I, I'm just so sorry. I, I, I'm sorry I'm missing this than, than the uh, 2003 first flight thing. Uh, October 24 will be 100 years since Orville set a record for soaring at Kitty Hawk mm-hmm. of 9 minutes 45 seconds in 1911. Eight years, almost eight years after he and and, and Wilbur had flown powered, they were still experimenting with gliders because they recognized gliders to be a great lab for checking out improved designs. And he soared nine minutes, 45 seconds. Uh, You can go to the website where they're celebrating this. They're having a big deal down at uh, uh, Kitty Hawk uh, this weekend. It's ongoing now, Uh, thanks to the First Flight Foundation. Good stuff what year was this originally nineteen eleven
0: and that was how many years after you were born
2: <laughs> see I made a resolution I wasn't gonna oh, make these man. jokes anymore well, I'll tell you what I broke Orville's record <laughs> uh... several years later which record is the, oh yeah okay you that, broke the that, soaring that, record Five seconds yeah a soaring record it was one of the thril, per, thrills of my hang gliding was to be flying at Kitty Hawk, staying up and staying up long enough to beat Orville's record, and be able to three sixty over the Dune and see the monument to their first flight yeah. a couple of miles to the north. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I get that. Yeah. It never made it to an hour there. But really? Made it over 50 minutes enough times to know that.
0: Oh, you were, you know, I'm just, I'm just, this is just, you know, after, after however many years we've talked about this, I'm just finally grokking this that you're probably the asshole that buzzed the beach party I was on that day.
2: <laughs> no, man, I wouldn't waste altitude buzzing a okay. party. Okay. I'd just land and ask for a beer. Okay.
0: You know, that didn't happen <laughs> in my trip. So, Jeb, uh, any shout outs? Uh, Only one, um, and it's not really a shout-out, it's just kind of a reminder. What equals
1: 276? Uh, uh, I give up what?
0: Days until AirVenture 2012.
1: Wow. So it's not too early to order your NOTAM? Is that what you're saying? It's (laughs) not
0: too early to order your NOTAM. No, it is too early to order your It's (laughs) not too early to plan.
1: Yes. But, but no, what we really want—it's—it's
0: it's, it's way date. too early to get there. You you better bundle up if you're if you're leaving now. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's and it's only going to get worse. No no no, it's it, it, you know what? As much as I love Oshkosh, we shouldn't be even. We should be thinking about sun and fun. That's what we should be thinking oh, about. That's true. That's true too. All right, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, already yeah, counting looking forward
2: the, to sun and fun.
1: I'm already looking forward to you know kind of like you know okay you know sometime in March I got to figure out how to get myself to Florida and the whole thing. Uh, sun and fun. Whatever. We're looking forward to sun and fun. There's Winter.
2: two ways that you can do that, Jeff. How's that? Highway or fly? Yeah. <laughs> I know you know the highway part. It's it's
0: one of the it's one of two ways, yeah. Yeah,
1: or, or a little bit of both. You well know. I guess you could swim, but No, no, no. Yeah. Uh that's it. No more shout-outs? We're yeah. done. Well
2: I'll 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 do the uh check out the link. This will get it in the rotation. Uh please, Jeff, put this in. The uh Powder Puff Pilots Claire Bear. They have a new book out. It's for, you know, kind of the preschool kid. Make a good Christmas gift. They have a whole bunch of flying books for kids to help teach them why an aileron, ailerons, why a generator generates, and why a piston has to go up and down.
1: Cool. What's it called again?
2: Uh, The Powderpuff Pilot's Claire Bear. And the link will be
1: with the show notes. Mm -hmm. Basically, powderpuffpilot.com. Okay. I'm sure you could Google it, too, and find it, but it'll be in... Jeff, hopefully, I'm sure, will put it in the show notes. That's it. Stick, stick a, fork a fork in it. Stick a fork in it. Stick a fork in it. Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, uh, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, uh, uh, they can Google Dave Higdon. avbuyer.com, dot com, AEA
2: dot net, uh, EAA dot org. Sometimes got one in the pipeline. So uh, that'll be December, I think, when that
1: one happens. So, other than that, you know, throw a rock. And Jeb Burnside is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation
0: Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the internet? magazine dot com, burnside dot com, uh, every now and then uh, Avweb dot com, oh AEA dot net, and I'm Jack Hut. Sorry. And, uh, and uncontrolled
1: dot And airspace dot com. Ooh, you, I've heard of that. Where you've been hanging out a lot in the forums lately? That's very nice. Oh, shout
2: so out to our new listener too. Let's not forget the the. Uh, yeah, who's that? The, uh, the nice guy at the Rec Aviation Foundation. Uh, and now that i've brought it up my mind just went blank carl hicks carl Thank hicks you. yes junior carl hicks junior traded a few notes with him uh he's not new to aviation by a long shot no uh, not new to um, working in the lobbying and association environment and was earlier this week or last week i guess it was named executive director of the rac which helps protect airports particularly remote uh wilderness strips backcountry strips and such like that so Welcome to the gang.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know, while we're doing Forgotten uh, uh, shout outs, I, I should have mentioned it's still enough time. Uh, this podcast will probably get out in time, which you never know. But uh, um, we're going to do a uh, UCAP meetup on November 5th, Saturday, November 5th, at uh, 10 a.m. We're going to have brunch at the restaurant at Barnes Airport in uh, Westfield, Massachusetts. So if you're uh, anywhere in the greater New England area and uh, want to stop by and say hi, uh, we're going to be there on uh, on uh, that Saturday morning, November 5th. And uh, you can get more information about that in the forums or on the uh, on the blog. So that's, that's my last shout-out. Finally, I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. And you can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward, as always, for creating our show notes and for all the other help that he gives us with the podcast. Thanks to Mike Morgan and Royce Earle and to the many other listeners who have created the uh, UCAP disclaimer clips. And thanks in advance to uh, all the listeners who are going to put together new uh, 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 podcast intros for us. I'm looking forward to hearing those. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, you were going to say something? Live long. Live well. Go fly.
2: Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. It means you get to do more of it. Bye-bye.
1: And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. AMFFN.